the show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. To another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. We have another incredible guest today from Southern Sunny California, Ryan James Miller. And for those who don't know who this good looking, awesome, amazing guy is, Ryan James Miller is a performance coach who's using his expertise and life experience highlighted by the survival of the 2017 mass shooting at Route 91 in Las Vegas to help men break free from the prison of their own success in order to live a life of freedom, doing what they want, when they want, with the people that they want. He lives to glorify God as a husband, father, friend, and business leader. He crossfits to stay healthy and golfs for fun. Ryan, tell us, what is the biggest, most badass business deal that you're proud of? <laughs> so to me, it's more than a business deal. I have had an incredible opportunity to work with so many wonderful clients, close some fantastic deals. But really, my claim to business fame is that I started my business at the end of 2011. Uh, I had a wife at home with a young kid at a mortgage, and we had $500 to our name. No savings, no IRA, no 401k, nothing. And today I'm on track to generate a million dollars in revenue for my coaching and consulting business. And so some people may say, oh my gosh, it took that guy 10 years to generate a million. I'm not saying collectively, I'm saying that annually it will generate a million dollars. And so that's a significant achievement that most coaches never get to. And it's something that I am so proud of because if you would have asked me in 2012, whether or not I would have got here, I would have told you absolutely not because it was so brutally hard. So I'm extremely proud of that. And, uh, and just excites me for what's to come. Wow. Let's go. Congratulations. A million dollars, not total, but per year. Let's dive into that. I'm sure the audience is raising their hand going, well, Ryan, I want to learn how to make a million dollars a year. (laughs) Um, So we have a little time here. Tell us like the the three to five minute story of what the heck happened in in those 10 years. And in the show being rapid results, we'd love to learn what do you wish you learned earlier? What are the mistakes you wish you could have avoided? But go ahead and take some time and tell us the journey of uh, how you went from $500 in your account to making a million dollars a year. Yeah. So I'll give some high end lowlights because I think that's the reality of entrepreneurship and business ownership. And uh, we like to glorify the success, but we don't like to talk about the, the challenge. And so when I started my business in 2011, that was actually the result of me being laid off of a sales job I had. I was one of the top performing salespeople in the organization. We were negatively impacted by the recession of 2008. And I was one of their top earning guys. And so they let me go because they cut my salary and they figured they could keep most of my clients. And so starting my business, it was a desire that I always had was to be an entrepreneur. My dad was one. It was my desire to teach and train in sales because I had been in it for 15 years to that point. And I loved it. And I was passionate about speaking and and, and helping other people, but I didn't realize 
how brutally difficult it was going to be to get people to pay me. It's one thing to give advice, right? And it's one thing uh, for people to want your advice, but it's another thing for me back then to say to you, Hey, I want $50 an hour for, you know, for you to, uh, for you to sit with me and for me to educate you. And so 2012, was an absolutely brutal year. I mean, I was doing anything and everything that I could just to make enough money to make our mortgage payment. And it was not easy to do. Thank God for friends and family and the local church that we were in that were financially supporting us during the most difficult financial time of our life. And then in early 2000, late 2013, one of the most pivotal moments of my career happened. And so I was up to that point fairly prideful. I had had a lot of success. You know, I, I, I knew I could do it, but I was really just humbled and how, how difficult it was and how hard I was uh, having to work to earn income. And uh, I connected with this guy on LinkedIn. Uh, his name is Dean Del Sesto and Dean's a friend to this day. And, and I didn't know him at all. And I reached out to him via email and I said, Hey, I said, you look like a guy that we could align well, you know, just in values. I said, you seem to be really successful. I would love to just sit down and talk to you. And Dean was so kind as to give me 90 minutes of his time. And we went to lunch. And at the end of that 90 minutes, I said something that I had never said to anybody in my entire life, especially professionally. And I said, Dean, I said, for the first time in my life, I said, I'm ending a business meeting without being able to give you anything. I said, there's nothing that I can offer you right now that you don't have. I said, but I said, I need your connections. I said, I need the clients that you're working with. He was, he was running a multi-million dollar marketing firm. He was doing, you know, six and seven figure branding deals. He was so connected in, in Southern California. And so I said, if there's any opportunity that I have to earn some of those connections, I said, I would love it. And Dean said, let me see what I can do and I'll get back to you. And, you know, most times people will say that to you and you never hear from them, or maybe you'll hear, you know, randomly once in a while. And within two weeks, Dean reached back out to me and he connected me with two clients that would change my life because that was really the start of getting a high dollar figure for sales consulting that led to an opportunity to go work for one of my clients for a short period of time. And so that was really a huge learning lesson for me. And it was, I can't do this on my own. You know, entrepreneurship feels like, you know, I've got what it takes and I'm the guy and I'm going to go out and hustle and I'm going to go out and do it. And, and I realized both because God was breaking me down on purpose, uh, but also because I had just come to the end of myself that I needed to humble myself and ask for help. And Dean was that gift from God in that moment. And so that was an amazingly, you know, pivotal moment in my career because again, financially, it really catapulted me from a mid five figure a year coach to a mid six figure a year coach pretty quickly. And so that was amazing. And that, that was, that was the first of, of just many learning lessons. Fast forward. I said, I went to work for one of those clients. So for about three years, I went to work for one of the clients I was consulting for. For my wife and I, we felt like that was a good, stable transition for us for a period of time. I still love coaching and I love teaching, but I just felt like this was the right thing to do. And I thought that was going to be about seven to 10 years. I would exit when the owner was going to exit later. And But God had other plans. 
again, as he always does. And so in October of 2017, as you know, was alluded to in my bio, I was uh, with my wife and five of our friends uh, in Las Vegas when the mass shooting took place at Route 91. One of our best friends was one of the 58 people that was killed that night. My wife took a round of ammunition through her hat, uh, went in one side, out the other, missed her head by an eighth of an inch. Just, you know, devastating and unbelievable. And obviously, you know, so many things personally happened emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. And two weeks uh, after the event, I went back to work for the first time and I was sitting in my office in Newport Beach, floor to ceiling windows. I'm looking out, you know, towards the coast and I had everything. I mean, I was making a multiple six-figure salary. I had benefits. I had great stock option. I had good people around me. And again, I just, I, I said just the craziest thing. I said, what the hell are you doing with your life? And at face value, I mean, think about that. Like, why would I say that? I was successful. I was healthy. My family was happy. There was nothing wrong other than the fact that I just survived a mass shooting, but yeah. there, there, there was nothing wrong. You know, there, were, there was no reason for me to say like, what's wrong with you or what's wrong with this situation. And so I felt like that again was not this audible, but just a very internal personal word from God. And it was, I don't mm -hmm. think you're in the right spot. And so I spent seven months with my executive coach, who was an unbelievable man that I've been working with for about a year, with my wife, with a couple of other friends, and prayed and sought to figure out the answer to that question. And the ultimate answer to that question was May of 2018, I resigned that job and I went back to coaching and consulting. Ironically, uh, though, we did have a little bit of money saved up that time versus starting my business in 2011. I had zero recurring revenue, right? I mean, I went back after three years out of the game, back to coaching and consulting all over again and had to go hunt all over again. And the Lord confirmed that decision within two weeks. I had earned enough business to make up from every dollar I walked away from in my monthly salary. And by the end of that year, so that was 2018, I had earned more money in 2018 than I had ever earned in my life. As a coach. As a coach. Wow. Mm -hmm. 2019, I grew. 2020, when I got blown out by the pandemic, like everybody else did, I was able to pivot. 2020 was the most successful year I had in business. 2021 was better than that. And right now, 2022 is tracking better than 2021. So that really was this clarity of mind that God had given me to say, like, you were created for a purpose and you have to stay in this lane. Like, regardless of how hard it is, what it's going to take, you have to stay in this lane and you have to coach because this is the gift that I have given you to go out and earn from. And I, I cannot tell you how thankful I am uh, for those decisions along the way because I love what I do so much that I would not trade it professionally for any amount of money or any other role in the world. 
Wow. <laughs> I can see why you're a speaker, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you, you definitely have a phenomenal story that it's inspiring. And what I've learned in life too, you know, kind of like what, what Steve Jobs says is that you can always connect the dots going backwards. Like I'm sure mm. working in the marketing job, even though it was a quote unquote coaching, I'm sure you still learned, you know, how to charge well, how to do marketing, learning mm-hmm. skills that can help with the coaching career. But at the end of the day, what's like for me, what's most important is having fulfillment out of your job because yep. anyone can go out and make money. But do you feel like you're serving a higher purpose or at least that, that that's one of my priorities? I know it's not everyone's priorities, but that's what's one of my priorities. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about all the routes we can go with this for uh, questions I want to ask. First question that comes is how the heck do you go from uh, barely getting $50 an hour to now charging, I don't know, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever you charge per hour or per uh, coaching session? What did that price timeline kind of look like and how does that how does that occur yeah so i'll be straightforward just you know for context of the audience Uh, so i was getting about 50 dollars an hour when i started in 2011 i don't charge by the hour anymore uh, but if i was to associate an hourly rate to that it runs anywhere between about 550 to 750 an hour for the work that i do And so what that has come down to for me is first of all i had to overcome fear right i mean when we when we're in sales, when we ask for the deal, there's always, I don't care how confident somebody says they are or comes across, there is this fear of rejection. And so there's this hesitation in our ability to be able to present whatever it is we're asking in terms for, you know, for what we're, what we're promising. So I had to overcome this fear as confident as I was in my ability to teach people how to sell and to sell myself. I was scared. I was scared to ask for money. So that uh, was important. Secondly, was I had to be able to prove my worth. So there, there's this very interesting thing that happens in the coaching world, which we typically see people go through coaching certification, and then they feel like they're qualified to ask people for money. And I, I don't want to negate or diminish the hard work, the certifications, the courses that are out there. There is a lot of wonderful education that's available to people, but that does nothing to prove to me or to anyone else that you can produce a return on the investment that people are making. Just because you know material doesn't mean you can execute on that and help other people too. So over the last 11 years of business experience and life experience, I've sought a lot of self-awareness to understand what am I really good at? And so while structurally and operationally, I'm really good at being able to build sales plans and sales processes on the business side of things, what I'm unbelievably good at, and this is a very confident thing for me to say, but I believe it, is I believe that I have been gifted with the ability to see inside of people the things that they can't see inside of themselves to help them bring those things to the surface and then leverage those things to produce the best they can in the roles that they're living. And why that is so valuable is because anybody can be good in any role, sales, business ownership, if we just tap into who they really are. We just understand what makes them tick, what aligns with who they are as a human being, what they value. So the more that I sought to understand who I was and what gifts I felt like I had and how I could draw those things out of other people, I started to say, ha, I really have something here. I can not only 
build a great sales plan that's going to help an organization generate revenue, but I can make their salespeople into unbelievable warriors because I can tap into the root of who they are. And so as time went on, I just started elevating what I was asking. And it wasn't like, I still think I'm undercharging and that, that's not a joke at all, but I started to feel like, okay, I'm helping. Let's just say, you know, I'm charging a thousand bucks a month, pretend. So I'm going to, I'm going to charge somebody $12,000 a year to produce a million dollars in revenue. Like that's crazy. Like that, that's, that's way <laughs> undervalued for what you're getting yeah. in ROI. Plus mm-hmm. I'm changing your life. And so I just, I just kept pushing that threshold and pushing that threshold. And what's been fascinating to me is I've been turned down a lot, particularly in the one-to-one coaching environment. When I ask uh, the, the fees that I do to coach people, but that's more so because those people don't believe in their ability to act on the coaching that I'm going to provide to them. It's not my fee because if they are really, you know, again, like let's just use that number. If, if their goal is to achieve a million dollars in, in income, whatever, then you should have no problem paying 50 grand for that. But you doubt yourself or there's just a misalignment between me and that person. But when the alignment is there, I have never had a prospect tell me no. And so it's funny kind of now I have a woman, uh, she works with me and she's included on in most of the proposals that go out. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to push this one. Hey, I'm going to push this one. And it's just like, we're both surprised that no one says no. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it, it rarely, if ever comes down to price, if you're actually able to connect with what they really want. Yeah. And, and that is interesting about the coaching industry. Cause like, obviously there's so many coaches and there's so many stereotypes and, you know, you know, one of the, quotes I like is a lot of great marketers don't know how to coach and a lot of great coaches don't know how to market. <laughs> and and so when it comes to coaching, so I like how it sounds like you you provide tangible results for your clients. You're like, hey, no, I, I'm not just going to help you feel better. Let's prove tangibly how you're going to be better. And then that, of course, will help you feel better as well. What do you think is a ROI that people should expect going into business coach or sales coach to help them make money? Like like you said, if they invest $1,000 in you, should they expect to learn how to make $2,000? Should they expect to learn how to make $5,000? What do you think that X factor variable should be? So I don't think there's a hard and fast rule only because everybody has a different situation and a different goal. But what I've been very careful to make sure that I'm doing with my business coaching clients is when we start, I ask them every 90 days, what does success look like in 90 days? Mm. And I don't take that at face value. They'll say, you know, it's X. And I'm like, okay, if you're to achieve X, then what happens? And so I want to understand what their desire is, but then I want to understand what's rooted in that desire. Because again, here's what happens a lot since we're kind of just on this train of like, you know, revenue generation or income. Most people feel like, especially in a sales role or a business ownership role, that I need to build a certain process or I need to execute on a certain habit or discipline in order to achieve the next level of revenue or the next goal. And I'm like, okay, that may be the case. But what if you actually just need to be happier in your current environment so you can produce better on a day-to-day basis? Because what ends up happening so much is, is we're programmed to grind and we're programmed to like just endure, you know, in the kind of the reawakening of stoicism in the world, which I love a lot of the philosophy behind stoicism, but it's like, you know, I just need to just be, you know, even keel and focused on, on what's going on and I'll just endure all things. And I'm like, yes, but 
that stuff gets pent up inside of us and we are not able to do our best work. You know, when an athlete, when Tiger Woods steps up to, I'm a big fan of Tigers now, you know, third major comeback. And, you know, when he steps up to hit the golf ball, if anything else is in his head other than him hitting that one specific golf shot, even if he has the trash in his head about the last bad one or that somebody cut him off three days ago, he has no chance, zero chance to perform at his best. And so I want to make sure that as I'm working with people, I'm helping them to see that happy sounds very fluffy, but in reality, happiness, joy, fulfillment oftentimes becomes the fuel to high performance that nobody is tapping into. Wow. Uh, I I really like that because it's it's a good reminder too that anyone could put a goal to things, but there's always deeper reasonings behind the goal. And I know that, uh, you know, for example, Dean Graciosi, I'm sure you've read some of his work. He likes to, he believes in the seven whys that whenever you ask yourself why you want something, you ask yourself why again, and then why again, and why again. So I have a funny story about that if I can. Yeah. So, you know, I started my professional sales career in 1998. 1998. And so I had been programmed to set goals, to pursue goals and to achieve goals. And so that carried over into my personal life. And I participated in like high school athletics, you know, nothing beyond that, but you know, goals again, right. Hits time, you know, uh, running in a certain amount of time, like whatever it was, everything is goal-minded. So I was just, I was always programmed to do that. And I'm very driven by that. And so I got to the end of 2018, which that was my first six months back in business for myself. And I was going through my year-end kind of reflection on my year. And I'm celebrating the fact that that six months just crushed it. And I was getting ready to set goals for 2019. And I thought to myself, like, what am I doing? And so I started thinking about that process. And I thought to myself, why am I wasting my time setting goals? And that's funny coming from a coach, right? (laughs) But as I started to think more about that, I thought about this, like goals are nothing but a means to an end. If I'm setting a goal, it's just to either get to the next goal or, you know, I want to make money to get to something, to get something or to go somewhere. And so I thought, okay, so goals are a means to an end. That's the best they are. The worst though that a goal is, is an opportunity to drive us further into the ground. Because if we come up short on that goal, we get frustrated, we get angry, we get discouraged, we set another bigger goal. And so it creates this like grind in us that could actually hinder us from our ability to perform at our best. So what I decided to commit to in 2019 instead was I was instead going to focus on becoming the best version of myself. I felt like if I know who I am, if I know what I want and I just live into that purpose, I'll bet I can produce more by just focusing on who I am than I can on some, I don't know, arbitrary number that I throw out. And so that's what I did. I redefined my purpose in life. I laid out the roles that I had been called to, Christian, husband, father, friend, business leader. And I said, what are the habits and disciplines of a successful Christian, husband, father, friend, right? And so I laid those out and I said, all I'm going to do is focus on those things. Every single day. I'm not going to focus on a single number. And 2019 
became the best year I ever had. And so what do you think I did in 2020? Same thing. No goals. I'm just going to go after this. It wasn't until, no joke, it wasn't until joining ISI in May of 2021 that I set another goal. And I did that because it was part of kind of our come as you will be 2023, which is fine. I don't think that there is anything wrong with goals. And now I have goals set for 50, which is six years for, uh, from now for me. So I do have goals. I'm not saying they're all bad, but I just feel like when we set a goal, we're focused on something that is arbitrary. It's actually uncontrollable. Like I can't control how much money I make. There's too many influences that go into the fact of whether I'm going to make that money or not. It could be discouraging. So I just thought, let me focus on what I can control, which is living as the best version of myself in the roles that I've been created for. And by gosh, here I am. And I seem to be doing fairly well. And so I've integrated that into a lot of my coaching and it's huge for people to have to deal with. But once we start to work through that, they start to realize like, oh my gosh, being the best salesperson I can be just waking up and doing the things that I know that I need to do every single day has me cranking out deals like I never have before. So it just, it, it becomes a byproduct of us just focusing on us. Um, I, I like this topic because, you know, I, I agree that, uh, that that is one of the top mistakes that people make is that they set a goal, but they don't put a deadline. They don't say how they're going to get there. They don't have like rewards or, or consequences. The goal is not tangible. Like people say, oh, I just want to lose weight. I want to make more money. And, you know, I was joking with my, my fiance. She's like, uh, I want to make more money this month. I'm like, great. There's a state farm insurance commercial where like the guy has the dollar bill and a fishing rope. And he's like, I got you a dollar. (laughs) 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 Isn't that what you wanted? (laughs) So tell me more, more details about this. Cause when I hear this, I think, okay, instead of putting a goal of writing a book, you put a goal. No, I'm going to put the habit where I'm just going to write 10 minutes per day for every day for next 30 days. Is this kind of on track of what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'll take it to something a little bit more personal even uh, because I think this is helpful for people that are listening. And so when someone says, I want to be a better husband, like you, you said you're, you know, you're engaged, you want to get married. So your goal, one of the first calls that God has on your life is to be a husband to your soon to be wife. Well, what does that mean? Like, how, how do we, how do we achieve success there? And as a matter of fact, there's really not a metric for that, right? And so what I said there was, okay, so let me think about what it would look like to be a successful, I'm just using success being like, you know, a, a great husband that, that's doing well for his wife. And so I thought, okay, so I should date my wife at least once a week. I should pay my wife a compliment every single time that I think about it in my heart. So if, if I feel it, I'm going to say it out loud. Baby, you're beautiful. You're sexy or whatever. Like I just say them out loud. I'm not going to speak ill about my wife outside of the context of uh, just she and I talking directly to one another. So no bad mouthing outside of that. So just even those three things, if I focus on those things, which I can control all three of those things. So if I focus on all three of those things, I believe that my marriage is going to be in a far better place, meaning it's going to be more successful 12 months from now than it is now. And so there's no end game to that. I mean, you know, again, in business, yes, we can lay out financial metrics. And so there is some tracking available, but for most of the things in our life, and actually most of the things that really matter to us, 
there are no hard and fast metrics for us to measure success. And so I say focus on habit and discipline. And then back to, you know, what you said about, you know, writing, like in business, if you're in sales, you say that, you know, I want to generate, I don't know, $250,000 in revenue this year. Well, I would say like, how are you going to get there? And so we reverse engineer, right? Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. So we think about the end and then we reverse, reverse engineer the process. And we get to the beginning, which is, okay, if I'm going to do that, what I need to do more than anything is I need to be getting in front of the right people and saying the right things to them as often as I can. And so what if I just focus simply on identifying good relationships and investing into those and having a process to stay followed up with them. And then when the opportunity presents itself to talk about my business, well, naturally, I'm prepared to do that because I'm ready. And so, again, it's yes, I still have that $250,000 or million dollar number in mind as I think about you know the end of the year or the future or whatever. But I don't think about those things, uh, that big number on a day-to-day basis. What I think about is I am going to focus on connecting and building relationships on a day-to-day basis because that I can control. And if I do that with the right people, I will have business conversations. I will create opportunities that will generate sales presentations, which will generate revenue. Yeah, I like that. So obviously a lot goes into being a business. And are you are you a solopreneur? Or how big is your team currently? Uh, there's just two of us on full-time payroll. Yeah, we have a couple of contractors we work with too, but there's two of us on full-time payroll. No, that, that's so cool. Uh, being able to run a seven-figure business with uh, two people on payroll. That, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Easy to manage. So going back to the financial example, because you originally said you can't necessarily control the income, but you can control the actions that lead to the income. And I, and I like what you said too, because I, I know like a lot of people struggle with that, where they, they set a goal of like you said, okay, I want to make 250 grand this year. And then they don't even break 200 grand, like, crap, what am I doing wrong? Crap, I suck. Crap, I guess I'll have to try again next year kind of thing. So as someone who has achieved that on track for a seven-figure year, I'm curious if you can dive deeper into that, you know, what you can control. Because, you know, at the same time, you know, some people that attitude will just start knocking on more doors, do door-to-door sales if you have to, like, get the result if you need to. Sounds like you found a way to be in flow in lose control, but still get the results. So help me understand this more. (laughs) Yeah. So again, we we need to be mindful of, we can't just throw a bunch of random ideas out there and just say, okay, I'm just going to go be me. So I know my business. I understand that it's going to take a certain number of consulting clients, a certain number of group coaching clients, a certain number of one-to-one coaching clients. Like I understand the framework of what it's going to take to get there. So that has to be in view. Back that down one and I say, okay, I need to understand the types of clients that are going to fit into each of those domains, right? And so I'm like, okay, so now now I understand that. Then I back it down one from there and I say, okay, where do those clients reside? Okay, some of them are on social media platforms. Other the, others of those are in my local community. Others of those are connections through my ISI brotherhood, like whatever. Like So I, I know that those are going to come through different streams. Back it down again. And then I say, and by the way, like think about this, like I can't control, I can influence all those things that I've just talked about, but I can't control any single one of them. But what I can control is all the way back to like, for me, my goal every single day 
is to have a minimum. Now I have client conversations and I have inbound, you know, people that come to me, which I'm super thankful for. But my outbound commitment is, and this is going to sound so funny to people, is I make one personal outreach and one professional outreach every single day. That's it. Wow. Now, uh, yes, I'm creating content on social media. And yes, I am doing video. Yes, I'm doing things like this. You know, like I'm putting myself out there in different spaces. But the thing that I'm most focused on committing to, because I can't control whether or not I'm going to get on a podcast a day or a live every single, like th- those things obviously come by way of introduction. But when I reach out to my one professional connection today, and I'm going to listen, I'm going to learn a little bit more about what they're working on. And and this could be a colleague, this could be a client, this could be a prospect. There's a host of things. And all I'm trying to do, by the way, is I am not trying to sell them on anything. What I'm trying to do is to get them to introduce me to somebody else that's like them that I can build a relationship with too. What does build a relationship mean to you? So it starts with, do you know somebody else that's like-minded? that you would introduce me to, that you think would enjoy having a conversation with me. And so that's all I want from that person. They're going to make an introduction. And then I'm going to hop on the phone with that person. And I'm going to do the same thing. Get to know them, listen to who they are, listen to like their greatest goals, greatest struggles. I'm going to share the same thing with them. And then at the end of that conversation, maybe there's something, maybe they bring up something to say, gosh, you know, I could really use, you know, working with somebody like you or gosh, you know, I've always thought about, and I'm like, oh, great. You know, let's set up some more time to do that. Or at the end of that conversation, if none of that produces itself, then I'm going to say to them, I would love for introductions to other people like, so I'm asking for another introduction. And then along the way, so I've had that conversation with that person, I get off the call, and then I just do a quick assessment to determine whether or not I think that that is a viable person to stay connected to. Can I add value to them? Can they add value to me? If the answer is yes, then they go into a follow-up process that I've created that they will become another future professional outreach, right? And so on a rhythm of sometimes it's weekly, but sometimes it's as much as monthly, I will follow back up with those people. How are you doing? What's going on? Here's something I thought from the last time that we talked that may be helpful for you, yada, yada, yada. The other thing that's been huge for me is me making introductions for other people. So Mm. when I connect with somebody, I'm always trying to think about who else I can connect them with because I can become the hero that puts them in front of the person that ends up changing the course of their business. And if if that's the case, by way of just gratitude, they're like forever indebted to me, you know? And so they're, they're, you know, they're wanting to support me, help me. And so these are the things that I'm mindful of because again, what I can control in that whole thing is I can pick up the phone. I can share my story. I can ask questions and listen to theirs. And then I can try and create another opportunity to do that same thing again. That's all that I can do. I can't control whether or not they buy from me. Again, I can influence that by building that relationship, by adding value, by investing into them. But ultimately, I just want to focus on, I'm going to connect with as many of the right people as I can to eventually get in front of the people that want to pay me for what I do. I love that. I love that. And and how do you keep track of all these people? Uh, when you say person a day, is that Monday to Friday, Monday to Thursday? Are you, are you a three-day weekend kind of guy? 
Yeah. So first I'll say I keep, I manage all of that data in a CRM that's connected, uh, you know, just uh, through Gmail, we use copper. And so that way I'm kind of trying, I'm trying to keep track of everybody as a potential client, as a lead, as a partner, how I met them. I'm making notes on all of that stuff. So that way we, Shannon and I, that works with me, you know, we're keeping track of those people because the other thing that we're trying to do is if I haven't talked to somebody in a while, and maybe I've read a great book, I'll just mail them a copy of a book or, you know, I'll send them like a, one of my hats, like a, just, you know, my company's merch or something like that. So just trying to, again, just, you know, kind of keep in front of them, give them something, you know, just to keep that relationship going. So, so that's the data management part as it relates to the time side of things. So I used to be, especially when I worked in corporate America, um, I was the 50 and 60 hour a week guy. And, you know, I was grinding all the time and I missed my oldest daughter growing up, at least a lot of important uh, pieces. And I was bringing work home with me and I was going to networking events, you know, three nights a week. And so when I started my business, I was like, I need to do something different. But as my business grew, I lost the need to do something different. And I fell back into a lot of that same trap. I was grinding. I was working really hard, going in early, going to the gym at five o'clock and, you know, six o'clock in the morning, just so I can get into the office in time. And then, you know, working after I was like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to do this anymore. Like I got into business to control my time. I got into yeah. business to be free, not to work for all these people. And <laughs> yeah. so I want to serve them, but not work for them. And so 2021, because of some things that had shifted during the pandemic and a couple of other reasons, uh, the beginning of 2021, I committed to a 30-hour work week. And so that looks like this. On Mondays, I'm in the office at 10 and I'm done by four. This is all Pacific time. But Mondays are typically administrative days. Sometimes, like I have our mastermind call on Mondays. I do a couple of other little things, but primarily that's administrative. That's follow-up, that's planning, whatever. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm typically nine to four, sometimes 10 to four, but nine to four. I mean, uh, sometimes nine to four, but usually 10 to four. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, those are the days that I see clients, I record podcasts. But the 10 o'clock, the reason that it's 10 o'clock, by the way, is because I decided that 8 a.m. was the perfect time for me to go to the gym every day. It's the class that I enjoy the most. I'm awake enough that I've had time to get up in the morning, to pray, to journal, to do my thing, and to get to the gym by 8 to work out. And so that gets me to the office by 10. So my time, right? My time before before that time. And then Fridays, I don't work at all. Once in a while, I'll take a call in the afternoon, but Fridays are pegged as golf day. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to join a local club around here, around my town. And so myself and four other guys, sometimes five, we golf together every Friday morning. And I love golf. I'm trying to get better again. It's been a while. I have my good days and bad days, but the connection time, the ability to just be out there and just kind of just breathe has been incredible. And then that also then leaves the weekend, Saturdays and Sundays exclusively for my family and for church. So I don't have to play golf on the weekends. And so I took control back of my schedule and I break it from time to time. Sometimes I have to do a project late at night or I'm traveling next week. And so I'll be gone for four straight days. So it's not to say that I don't, I don't eat into that once in a while, but I choose when that happens. I don't let that happen to me anymore. Wow. I love that being, being in control of your schedule. That's uh, yeah. And, and tell us more about what, what their transition looks like. I mean, if you have bills to pay, 
you can't just uh, say, oh, well, I guess I don't have to work anymore. <laughs> like, how, do you, yeah. how do you go from working 50 hours a week to 30 hours a week, choosing the hours you want? What does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So first up is when I was working 50 hours a week, I wasn't working 50 hours a week. And and very few of us really are. Just because we start at eight and end at seven, you know, at night doesn't mean we've worked 11 straight hours. How much mm-hmm. time was goofed off? How much time, you know, whatever. There's just so many infillers that are like fillers that we put into the middle of our day. So efficiency came into play, which I've always been efficient, but I wanted to become more efficient. So that was one thing. The other thing was, if I'm going to work less, I have to charge more. And so that was just an opportunity to raise my price to say, like, I have to add more value. I have to invest more into my clients if I'm going to get this return. And by the way, all of this is happening in light of the fact that in 2013, my family, we lost everything, including the house that we owned to short sale. That was the 2008 recession coupled with a lot of financial irresponsibility that finally caught up to us in 2013. So we have been rebuilding our lives for the last nine years financially. Like we still haven't bought another house yet. We were prepared now, but the market's crazy. So we're waiting, but I'm not making, you know, five, $600,000 a year or a million dollars a year or whatever. Like I'm living a reasonably comfortable life at the moment, which I'm super thankful for, but I have huge, huge goals and dreams ahead of me, which means I need to keep building my business. So I did not scale back in hours because I'm killing it and I can just afford to do it. I chose to sacrifice short-term opportunities to make money, to gain short-term opportunities to spend time with my friends and my family. I mean, I have two daughters that are 20 and 13 and my 20-year-old is you know, slowly moving her way out of the house, not for a couple of years, but she'll get married and she'll be gone. And my 13 year old, like that's the last one that we're getting to enjoy all these developmental years. And I want to be there for them. I want to go on vacations. I want to be like, we eat dinner together almost every single night. We go to church together every single Sunday. I would not give that up for $50 million a year. As God is my witness, I, I wouldn't even question it for a second. I mean, back to 2017, I watched somebody lose their life and I almost lost my own. Like life is that fragile. And it's so cliche for people to say until you're there to experience it. And I don't want to live YOLO where, you know, which is like, I'm only living for now. Like we are investing into the future and I want to keep building my business, but I just could not do that at the expense of the moment. So I've made some sacrifices. I'm trying to be more wise. We're trying to get more creative about scaling my time so I can do more in less time, that I can add more value in certain areas to new clients, existing clients. And so we're constantly thinking about how to do that. But I'm telling you right now, you know, when I said earlier that when we're not at our best personally, it's hard to produce at our best professionally. I am at one of the best places I've ever been at personally from a physical, mental, and spiritual place, emotional place in my relationship with my wife, in my relationship with my kids. So guess what? When I come to work, I am typically on it. Like I am able to deliver because I feel so dang good. I'm not grumbling. I'm not miserable. Sure. I have frustrating days, but all in all, I love what I do because I just love my life so much. I love that. I love that. You got me pumped up and inspired as well. <laughs> so going back into yeah, um, 
So I take it. So obviously you have goals of being a better husband, you have goals of being a better father. And I like how you mentioned the importance of that personal goes into professional. It's like the quote I like, like most people say, oh, business isn't personal, but the top business professionals will say business is very personal. <laughs> like I remember one of my dad's friends saying, yeah, I did more business deals on a napkin in a bar than I've ever done in a suit and tie and doing a handshake. Like <laughs> uh, yeah. this is very personal. And so I love how you've been able to simplify just consistent action each day, offering value, making introductions. And you said the CRM is called is called Copper. Uh, yeah, the- yeah, it's an extension off of uh, Gmail, and yeah, simple CRM. You know, you obviously just build a contact database. It's got opportunity. You know, you can track financial opportunities in there and task management and things like that. So we still don't use it to the degree that we probably should, but we're getting better. And what's been really cool lately is. Uh, they just recently partnered with another organization. I think it's called LeadJet. And it plugs into Chrome as well and integrates with LinkedIn. So when you go onto somebody's profile on LinkedIn, it gives you the ability to add them to your copper CRM right from LinkedIn. And they're one of their versions, which is like, I think the first one above free is the one that we have, like it will extract anything, any data that's public into your CRM. Uh, but you can pay if you wanted to, to have it extract email addresses and other things like that. If they're out on the internet somewhere else, wow. I don't know what that cost is. I don't have any interest in that only because my business, it's far more important for me to build relationships with people that I have a connection to. And I know like I'm not out trying to farm cold leads, not to say that I don't want cold opportunities, like I'll take them all, but I just, I, I don't have a need to go fish like that. But it's been great integration because I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. That's where, so the majority of my professional content, my uh, my professional connections, the, the business coaching, the sales coaching, that traditionally comes through LinkedIn. And then the personal development work I do, particularly uh, in coaching men, uh, happens a lot more through my Instagram and Facebook channels. So that copper has been great there. And by the way, like, you know, sometimes when I talk, it sounds like it can come across as sounding like I figured this all out and have this all together. And I absolutely don't. I just want to give an example and just kind of like a shout out. So about a year ago, so I've been on LinkedIn for years and had a pretty decent size following and a decent size engagement and and it was going well, but but the majority of the content that I was producing on LinkedIn was a lot more personal. And that engages well, that does really well for people. But one of the things that people had started to tell me was, was that what I do professionally was getting lost in just kind of who I was personally. And on one hand, I was like, that's fine. Like, I, I'm good with that. But because LinkedIn is, there's so many opportunities to create more professional business, you know, like more, more business opportunities. I was like, okay, I probably need to do something there. And so I hired this company shift marketing S H F T marketing. And this guy's name is Jason. And I had been following him on social for a long time. I had subscribed to his email list. And one day I'm like, Hey, you seem like the guy that I could use some help from. And so I paid him for a 90 minute strategy strategy session. And it was incredible. He helped me reshape 
the message that I was contributing to LinkedIn to incorporate a lot more of the professional content back into there, really just offering my whole professional sales and business development playbook on LinkedIn, just in bite-sized pieces over the year. What's funny is I started to do that and my engagement just fell way off because people love the personal motivational heart wrenching stories. The professional stuff doesn't seem to get engaged as much, but I have had more direct professional inquiries since I made that change than I did previously. So while the engagement wasn't there at face value on the platform, reshaping my content to speak more directly to the audience that I want to attract there. Like I have a lot of friends there and I want to stay engaged with them, but like the sales leaders, the higher level of you know executives that are out there that are wanting to restructure or build their sales teams or just to fuel them to go farther. Like I want to reach them. And so Jason really helped me to reshape that content and do this. And so it's been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, would you mind sharing an, an example of, of the shift you made? So like, before meeting with him, you're like, oh, uh, sales is so important. Like, here's why you should get into sales versus sounds like post two is like, if you're the sales director at a tech company, here's what you need to know now. Like, tell, tell me about that, that shift. <laughs> yeah. So it was even like more specific than that. So he asked me all kinds of questions and we got to this place of, so I have created an entire sales playbook that is that I could build for any organization that starts with, what do you want the culture of your sales and marketing teams to look like? How do you hire for them? How do you onboard? How do you train? Once you train them, then how do you incorporate the right prospecting process, the right marketing process, the right sales process? Then how, what's your sales methodology? Like, I mean, it is literally everything. And so one of the things Jason said was, is he said, you need to break each of those components out into practical steps that they can take and follow. And and when anybody hears that, they're like, well, why would I share my playbook when I'm going to go sell that thing to everybody? And he said, it's so logical. And I've said this so many times before. I'm like, I just wanted to punch myself in the face. You know, it's like, if somebody is just going to read your posts, take it and go take action on it, they're never going to be your client. Like you want the people that want to invest more into working with somebody to help them develop that. So what I did was then I went and wrote content at least five posts per component of my playbook. And so it spoke to, like I I just shared one uh, the other day that was uh, three steps to building a brand. uh, Oh, uh, three steps to create content an easy way. That's what it was. And so it was like, okay, so you know, you need to be out on LinkedIn, you know, you need to be creating content. And so first you need to figure out the type of content you need to create. Then you need to, you know, you could record a video, transcribe it. So like I explained the whole process, like here is how you do that. And so that has then been coupled with, I've been uh, teaching uh, twice a month webinars online that support those topics, selling those for a little fee, very small. And then those people get added to a list. And so then we're investing more into them. We're teaching them a little bit more than they're coming on as we sell a sales platform that they can invest into for the year, or they can come in and get coached or hire their team for coaching, or I mean, hire me to coach their team. But it, it really just started with just spelling out my entire methodology around how to be better at sales. And it wasn't as much as like, you know, I know the three ways to become successful selling. So all you need to do is hire me and then I'm going to teach. It's like, no, no, no. 
I just explain it in the post. And so it, it's just been, it's been super beneficial in terms of giving value to people and helping them to see what I'm capable of on the professional side of things, and then giving them the ability to connect with me if they want to learn more about that spot. I love that. I love that. And I like what you said too. So it sounds like you have a few different daily business actions besides just reach out to one person, one professional. Sounds like mm-hmm. it's also write a content post, post the content <laughs> post, share the content post. And so it's really cool to hear this journey. And well, and so- some of those... Again, some of those aren't mine, right? Like, so I have a a gentleman that he contracts with us and he's our creative director. So he does a lot of video for me. And so we'll record, you know, 20, 30 minutes of video. He cuts that up into clips. He edits that. He gets that over to Shannon. Shannon then curates all of that. She either, she writes some of the captions. Sometimes I'll contribute to some of that. And then she schedules that through social media schedulers sometimes. And so, you know, I'm contributing the content in like, I do it first and then they go distribute it. So that's been the benefit to having people on the team too is, you know, back to like focusing on the things that I love that I'm good at. Like this, I love like get me in front of a camera, in front of an audience, in front of a person to teach, to speak, to coach, to lead, whatever. This is what I want to do all the time. Then I just want someone to take what I'm saying and turn it into something that can be distributed out there. So they've been super helpful in being able to, valuable, I should say, in being able to do that. Yeah. So tell us what, what are the uh, roles of the employees and the people who contract out just uh, so people can be aware, like what, what are the roles you currently oversee? Yeah. So all I do is uh, for the most part is work with Shannon. So Shannon handles all of my client engagement. So outside of my direct coaching one-to-one with them, Shannon takes care of making sure they're scheduling their calls and keeping track of their progress mid-month. Hey, like, what are you doing? How's it going? When we're doing on-site engagements, she is on-site with me and she is listening to a lot of what they're saying. We're collaborating after the fact. She's like, hey, you said you were going to do this or you promised to this. Just She really stays on top of that stuff. Shannon also has taken a just a liking to, a passion for creating a lot of our graphic stuff through on Canva. So she's creating a lot of that and wants to explore more of that. It's just something that she's gotten really, really interested in doing. And she's like a real person. She comes into the office, you know, she so real um, so so she does that. Then she manages all of the action interaction that's happening with the contractors. So Ian, our creative director. They schedule when we're going to shoot typically. They just tell me, you know, where I need to be, kind of when I need to be. And then we record and then they coordinate together where it's going to go, what platforms it's going to go on. Ian's really good about thinking about, okay, this is going to go on YouTube. So let's make sure it looks like this. And we say it this way. Oh, this is going to go on Instagram. So it can be shaped a little bit differently. I've been working with him for about two years. So he's learned my voice, my way, my clients. He's been amazing. So, but Shannon, Shannon's the one that kind of oversees that. Then we have a couple of people. So we work with, you know, another friend of ours, Paul Edwards, and Paul's team has written some content for us in the past, longer form content. They know my voice super duper well. They've been amazingly helpful. So they roll 
insane amounts of content for us. And so Shannon worked with them and then she got that back and then she will take that content and it's like, oh, this is a blog. And so this needs to get scheduled on the website, but this also needs a graphic. And then either she does that or she goes out and gets that. And then we have another woman that she is an aspiring writer and she does some of our smaller projects. We will transcribe video and then Shannon sends it off to her. She will reshape that transcription to sound more like a message that should be on social. She gets that back to Shannon. And then Shannon puts that all into Buffer, which is the social media scheduling tool that we use. And so she takes care of all the scheduling. So all of that is done by Shannon. I mean, she literally runs so much of the business. She's been with me for just over a year and it's been incredible to see the work that she has done in such a short period of time. And then I just organically throughout my day, whether I have a thought, an idea, whatever, I'll just, you know, go on social and I'll just post something myself kind of, you know, as I see fit, whether it's Instagram stories or maybe a LinkedIn post, or I just kind of do that on my own too. Well, 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 Um, you post yourself on your own profile. (laughs) How surprising is that? Um, The other thing that that's been really important too, just, you know, uh, on the topic of social. So it's really important for people to hear this. There has been a ridiculous amount of discussion around the need to be present on social media and to create content. And I love that. I think it's been wonderful. But I think the one thing that people have missed is that in order to be successful on social media, it needs to be a two-way platform. And that doesn't mean you just respond to comments you get on your own uh, feed. Uh, That's helpful. You should be responsive to every single comment, like whatever you should be engaging with that stuff. And you should be paying attention to who's doing that. But you need to be engaging in other people's stuff. And so one of the things that I do is like more of my time is spent, I spend about 30 minutes to an hour a day on LinkedIn. I'm in my feed. And I'm commenting on other people's stuff and it's relevant, right? Like I'm not trying to sell them. I'm trying to stay engaged with other people because again, like we're trying to build relationships that will produce opportunities for us to do business. And if it's just about us pushing content out and hoping that somebody responds, it's going to take forever, if not ever for us to actually get something out of it. No, thank you for saying that. And because I think, you know, I love saying this uh, all the time that the top mistake people make is that watching that movie, Feel the Dreams, people think, oh, if I build it, if I post it, people will come, obviously. <laughs> uh, but in reality, you have to build it, you have to post it, and you have to publish it, you have to promote it, you have to get the word out, to build relationships to get people to actually show up to be part of it. Yep. I love the fact that even you, you, you have all these things systemized, you're still spending 30 to 60 oh. minutes every day saying, no, I'm still here. <laughs> I still have a business. I still am here to help you. And it's not, you can't just say, oh, time to sit back and relax now. Like it's, it, it keeps going again and again, right? Yeah. No, I mean, they're just, again, you know, with thoughts of, you know, wanting to get to that seven figure mark and beyond and, and to create even more space in my calendar, I I have to generate more opportunities and the right opportunities. I'm in the process of writing a book right now. And same thing. It's like, I have to commit to the process of writing every single day in order to finish that book. My draft, my rough draft is due by the end of June. And so I'm three chapters into 10 right now. And so I have to write every single day. And so my, my commitment is just write. And because I, I know that that will be another opportunity for me to put myself out there to create speaking opportunities, higher level coaching <laughs> relationships, and so many other things that I don't even know about yet. 
by just going out there and telling my story and equipping other people with some of the things that I've learned along the way. And when you're talking to your your ideal audiences, how did you figure out who your ideal client is and like how much they'd be willing to pay and how you could solve their problem? Like, how did you go about that process? So, you know, it's just, it, it's been a, a lot of learning and growth along the way. So at face value, I'll speak to this uh, in two separate places. So the professional side and the personal uh, development stuff. So on the professional side of things at face value, like every organization needs help with sales, whether they say so, or, you know, uh, I do everything that I can to, to live my life as God has called me to. And so I want those values to be important to my clients. I don't require that my clients be Christians or something something like that. But like, I-, I want them to be good people, to desire to do the right thing in their industry. And so as I have become more public with my own faith, with my own values, that is going to attract a certain type of people to me. And it's going to push other people off, which that's just the understandable reality of what happens. So that way... I know that I can help organizations generate revenue uh, by improving sales process and salespeople, but I also want to make sure that I'm doing that with the people that I would align with. So that that has kind of been the, the natural progression of a values alignment and people alignment as I've progressed in my career in the business side of consulting and coaching. And then on the professional side, or I mean, on the personal development side of things, more than anything, I'm, I'm speaking to me. So I have spent the last year and a half developing a online and then uh, live virtual group coaching academy specifically for men, conservative, married, family men typically. And the message to them is, is that you're living in the prison of your success and it's time to break free. And what I mean by that is uh, many men that I know, myself included, uh, just like kind of I was before I had my 2017 moment, like I was doing all the right things. I loved my family, but there was this sense that was living within me that was, if I can just get to this next level, then finally I can... Like up until that point, up until actually June of 2018, I had never taken more than a three-day vacation with my entire family. Ever, ever. June of 2018, we went to Hawaii for 10 days. It was the most incredible vacation of our lives. Hawaii was amazing. Just the time together to just go to go crazy was amazing. But there was this mindset that I had. It wasn't that I didn't want to spend time with my family. I loved them, but I, it was like, I just don't have enough money. Like I just need to save a little bit more. Just I just need to just to put a little bit more. I just need to do this. And, and so there was this brokenness in me that was like, if I just do one more thing, I can finally get to where I need to be. That's prison. Like that's literal prison, even though we wouldn't say that. And so yeah. what I, what I say to them, and, and again, like this, this alignment obviously values is important. Like I want them to be good men that desire to do right by their fiancés or their wives or whomever and their kids. But I say to them, like, I want to help you be more successful than you ever have been in your life, but you're not going to be able to do that until you finally start to live into the freedom that you've already been given. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, like me. I mean, when I cut back to a 30 hour work week, I couldn't afford it. You know, it wasn't like I I had all this money socked away. It was a conscious choice to have freedom of time, freedom of space, freedom of schedule over a free for all with money. And oh, by the way, I did it. And then I went out and earned more money as the result. And so this is what I'm trying to help men do is to help them see that I can get you more of what you really want. And I will get you more of what you think you want, you know, as that happens. So 
more and more men are aligning with that. The problem there is, is there are 7,000 Ponzi schemes out there as it relates to coaches, coaching men, people using God as the leverage point to speak into those audiences. So I've really struggled to be super honest. I've really struggled to break into that audience. And, you know, I get people, I mean, a couple of times a week, you know, that will send me a message on social media that I'm a fraud, that I'm a fake, that I'm capitalizing on Jesus and that I'm just like everybody else, that I'm a shyster. And it's like, I want to be so angry. And at the same time, I'm like, you're right. That because I look like everybody else and it's going to take you getting to know me. And so that's actually what I say to them is if you're willing to continue to follow me and get to know me, I bet you're going to think differently of me. Just give it some time. I had some guy attack me. It sounds kind of funny to say attack me, but like he lit me up about two months ago uh, because I posted a picture and I was in like tighter jeans and, and he posted some like snarky comment around like um, what a sissy I was wearing. I was such a sissy wearing skinny jeans. There's no way that I could be the manly man that I'm projecting myself to be. And so we get into this dialogue and I, I, won't, I won't forget, I was in the airport as I'm having this conversation with this guy. And so we're going back and forth and I kind of made a snarky comment, but not mean, just kind of like snarky back to him. And, and then he kept going and going. He was like nasty about it. And so then I had to get on the airplane. And so I just kind of forgot about it. I land on the other side of where I was going. It was like a three and a half or four hour flight. And the next message I got from him was, I'm really sorry. I realized I came across way too strong. I don't know you. And he kind of like made a funny thing. He goes, I definitely wouldn't wear those jeans. He said, I probably should have given you a chance before I just attacked you as something that I didn't think you were. And so it was like, that's what I'm trying to get after with people is just give me a chance to get to know me. And I know it's hard because again, there's so much garbage out there. But I trust that this is the path that God has me on and that eventually I will break through that noise and I will start to bring so many of these men to the place that they have been created to be instead of the place that they think they should be because somebody else in the world told them they did. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, and I, I will say, I like what you said at the beginning of this uh, show that like most people get held back because of a fear of rejection or a fear of failure and obviously a fear of all the trolls and haters <laughs> out there. And, um, you know, what, what I've learned is that what a lot of influencers are doing now is that whenever they receive um, like a, a hate message or a mean message, they just post it on their social media and just say, hey, uh, here's another example of someone trying to come after me for my work. Uh, just let you know that they didn't try to get to know me first or they didn't have a conversation with me. Oh, and look at that. looks like the profile's anonymous. How convenient. Like, <laughs> and so I, I've learned that, yeah, you know, part of human nature, we want to fit in. We want to be liked by people, but also part of growing a business is that you need to know who you're speaking to and who you're not speaking to because, you know, the, the best way to be hated by everyone is trying to please everyone. <laughs> so, oh, well <laughs> and so and it's also that, that funny too, how like it, it's convenient how sometimes things resolve themselves too. Like, uh, you know, early in the show, another guest who's saying how, you know, she did a newsletter each week that was trying to be optimistic and enthusiastic. And a person said, how dare you be optimistic, enthusiastic during this time? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she's like, hey, listen, I'm an optimistic, enthusiastic person. If you don't want to be part of that vibe you don't have to subscribe to me and the person then goes oh i'm so sorry i was having a bad day i do want some more joy in my life actually (laughs) and so it's definitely a good lesson here and i know we we could talk for hours and uh i can't believe we're already at uh 70 minutes here but a few questions left 
So going back to you know, your superhero journey, um, you kind of had a, a, a Mr. Miyagi moments where you, you found that, that mentor, I think you said his name was Dean, who kind of helped you out with that. Going from you know $500 in your account to making multi six figures a year with just having one conversation is, is incredible. So I guess going back to how do you have the courage to find those right people to connect with? How do you, and, and the, it, it still blows my mind too. You said, I can't offer you value. And it seems like a couple of weeks later, he's like, that's okay. Here's a, here's a client that will pay you six figures a year. <laughs> so help us break down more, showing us the importance of, what I've learned is that you usually can't get somewhere alone. Someone has to help you along the way. How do you find those people to help get you there, help guide you, and to just kind of trust the process that you want to get from A to B, essentially? Mm. It's good. So you used the word courage, and I understand what you meant. Um, I would say that for most people, you first have to deal with your own pride. I think it's it's not humbling. It's humiliating to realize that we can't do it on our own. We, especially, especially people that desire to start a business or have started a business, you know, or they're salespeople even, like they're independent. And so the thought of needing somebody else, like this is something we hear about so much in society today, right? It's like, I don't need anybody. I can do it on my own. And and, and we see what isolation has done to us. And so I think that's first. I, I think that it is like this sense of pride. It's, I can't do it on my own. And as a matter of fact, I wasn't created to do it on my own. There's nothing in our story of creation that ever says we were ever to live any part of life alone. And so I think that's that's number one. I think number two then is, is to have confidence in the fact that you putting yourself out there will eventually return some benefit to you. It's scary. And, and so the courage comes into that too. Like it is scary to put ourselves out there. There's going to be a lot of rejection. There's going to be a lot of wasted time because not everybody is going to return the email or the phone call or, you know, agree, or you're going to go to lunch and it's going to be a total waste. But there are people out there that will help you, that want to help you. And so I think it's important that that's kind of the, the posture that we take going into it. And then I think once we get there, I think that what the world needs so desperately is honesty. And I think that's what most people want from us is honesty. And so again, like if, you know, if I was just to tell you every, every single success story out there, I would sound like a liar and, or just, you know, just a a boaster all the time. But like the reality is like, I, I ruined my own life financially. You know, I, I, we, we lost so much and I, I had a massive hit to my business in 2020 uh, because of the pandemic. My two largest clients, I was doing in-person consulting here in Orange County, California. They both had to shut their doors because of the governor's mandate. I lost almost $20,000 a month because of that decision. I had no control, no control. I cried. I had no joke. I went home to my wife and I cried that night because for a split second, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm back in the same position I was in 2011. I was just like, I, I, I lost it. I got it back together. But I, I think the honesty to just stand in front of people and, 
and just speak the truth. I've got these things figured out, but I don't know this. That was my, you know, that was my engagement with that guy, Jason, that I talked about. Like, I, I think I've got a lot of this figured out, but I don't know this part. I need help. Or it's my, my, my Dean conversation, which is I got nothing for you, dude. Like nothing. The amazing story about Dean, by the way, is uh, that was 2013, late 2013. Dean and I are friends to this day. I have had the opportunity to invest back into Dean's life a few times over the last now nine years. It's incredible. We sit, we, we, we talked the other day and we both cried talking about some of the, some of the things that are going on in life. And so none of those things ever return void. And so just go and be honest and tell your story and ask for what you need. If you do it in a genuine way, people are willing to help. The reason that people aren't willing to help you is because often is because we go in just, just with the need. I just, I'm here because I need you. I, I am here because I want to take from you and you take and you take and you take. It's like, no, no, no. I want to help you. I just can't but I need you. And so I think those are some of the things that we can take away uh, from, from part of this part of a conversation is just lay aside the pride, have the confidence and courage just to lean into the situation and then just be honest and watch what happens as the result. I mean, I get so much joy now out of, I connected with a woman the other day on, on LinkedIn. She had commented on one of my posts. I reached out to her. I'm like, hey, we should connect. She um, helps organizations kind of like set up their finances so that they're, they're actually making money. And so we have this great conversation and like, I can't use her. I've got somebody, you know, she's probably not going to use me. I was like, man, she's a great woman. We share a lot of the same values. I was like, I know people that I could connect her to. So I told her I was going to do that. And I'm sure she was thinking to herself like, yeah, right. The next day I connected her to another woman that I'm super good friends with. And now that woman is hosting her on her podcast and they've already like hit it off. And so it's like, you know, people want to do, I want to do that. Like people want to do that for you. There's people waiting for the opportunity to help you. You just need to put it out there and ask. I love that. No, I, and I think that I, I can attribute that to a lot of my success is that that's what I've learned is that, believe it or not, people love helping other people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, a cost example I, I also love to use is I'm not sure if you've seen the TEDx talk, a rejection therapy, where the guy kind of proves that, you know, if you ask for things from people that can benefit you, you'd be surprised how many times they say yes. Mm. And like, you know, his, his top examples where he'd randomly ask for 10% off at a Starbucks and, he, and they'd be like, why? He's like, just because like, okay, sure. Yes. My favorite example is when he asked a policeman if he could drive his police car and the guy's like, yeah, sure. Take her on the block. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that. Just like having the attitude, the understanding that people like helping people that you, of course, are willing to walk your own talk and help other people on the way as well and make that happen. So I have a couple uh, final questions here, Ryan. One of them is, how have you made sure to surround yourself with the right people to get to where you are now? Hmm. So I didn't always do that. I had rejected mentorship early in my career because I thought I had it all together. <laughs> but I mean, that, that was actually one of the biggest reasons why I joined Iron Sharpens Iron was because I've got some good people around me. Uh, one of my closest friends I office with, uh, we met because I coached him for years and then we became close friends. And so we work together, we pray for each other, like we, we do a lot. But I knew I needed more of that. And so when the opportunity presented itself to join, you know, a group like Iron Sharpens Iron, it was, it made all the sense in the world. Like 
I don't just want men around me to help me build my business, though I want men around me to help me build my business. I want men around me that are going to help me be a better man emotionally, relationally, spiritually, like all of those things. And so what I can say is I I just celebrated a year. I text the guys yesterday. We have a group chat and I text the guys yesterday and I told them, I said, not all of them were here when I first started, but I said, I cannot tell you how incredibly thankful I am. Like my life is better and you have changed my life because of your willingness to encourage me, to lift me up, to call me an idiot, like whatever, like you've done it all. And there is no amount of money, like no one's raising my dues, but I would pay so much more, you know, for that because it's made me a better person, which is then I, then I'm a better coach, which, which is then that much more incredible. So it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, yeah, it's a, yeah, for those listening in, you know, Ryan and I are both in Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a group uh, led by Aaron Walker. And I love how, yeah, it, it's a group of men dedicated to not just financial success, not just personal success, not just spiritual success, but a whole wholesome life. And I agree. It just like goes back to you are who you spend time with. And so it's definitely yeah. an incredible group. and glad to be a part of it as well. All right. So last two questions, Ryan, how can people get a hold of you and what kind of upcoming projects do you have going on that uh, people should know about? Yeah. So, uh, so social media is always great. LinkedIn. Uh, I'm there. Ryan Miller, Ryan James Miller is, is probably an easier way to look that up to find me. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at RJM Sales Pro. So those are both uh, two places. I spend a lot of time on Instagram. A lot of have a lot, I have a lot of fun there too. So that's good. My website, uh, RyanJamesMiller.com uh, is a place that you can kind of get connected to all of that. And then, you know, by level of excitement, the coaching academy that I spoke of, which is called Foundations to Freedom, uh, not just because it's new, uh, but because this is the outworking of my life story to this point. And one of the things that I believe is going to have the greatest impact on the world around me. As I look out on the world and I see all of the tragedy, all of the hurt and all of the devastation, even just in our own country, one of the primary reasons I believe this is the case is because men have taken a backseat to the role that they were created for. And we can argue that all day long. It's my own personal belief, but I believe that we have been ill-equipped. We have been ill-educated. We have been shamed and scared into becoming something that we're not. And yet there are all these men out there that want to live out their values. They want to do the best they can to honor God. If that's who they serve, they want to be great husbands and fathers and they want to be successful. They just don't have a place for all of that in one place. And so this coaching Academy, it's taken me a year and a half and we're still just kind of slowly beginning to roll it out. It's a a 10-week virtual but group coaching academy coupled with uh, self-paced digital instruction, a a year-long community built into that. And so I'm just, I'm so incredibly excited about that. You can learn more at foundationstofreedom.com or through my website. And I just, I pray, I'm like, I'm writing the book to support that. And I just, I, I honestly pray, like, I want to see it successful because I, I want to achieve some goals, but more than anything, I just, I want to see the result of something like that getting into the world because I believe that it's needed and there are a few people out there doing it. I love it. I love it. Well, Ryan, this has been an incredible interview. I uh, definitely took a lot of notes myself. I'm excited to, you know, start implementing this. For those listening in, what is that one takeaway you want people to have when it comes to high performance and getting anything they want in life? Yeah. 
I go back to kind of a couple of versions, or I've said this in a couple of different ways. In order to get the most out of the life that you're living, you have to become the best version of yourself. That that term has been bastardized and abused. Uh, what I mean by that is, is you were created with a specific purpose, with a unique set of gifts and talents that nobody else in the world like you was created for. You have to tap into that. Once you can understand who that is and you can leverage those things, you can be unstoppable in the roles that you have been called to. And so that's my dream and desire for every single person I come into contact with. And that's what I believe is the thing that will take you into the dreams that you dream every single night. I love it. I love it. Brian James Miller, everyone. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results uh, with Andrew Weiss. And uh, make sure to check us out on iTunes and Spotify. Leave a review, a comment of anything you learn. I'm sure Ryan and I will both love to hear it. And with that said, we'll see you all next week. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.